Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, today on the podcast, I have the fabulous Sinead Connolly with me, founder and director of Lotus People, a multi-award winning recruitment agency from Sydney. How are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very happy to be here. And I'm very happy to have you here. I'm so keen to hear more about your story, your journey from starting a recruitment agency, growing it so quickly managing those business ups and downs and to go on to become a multi-award winning business and business owner. Now, I need to ask you to start with how and why did you get into recruitment? The reason why I'm asking you that is actually one of my besties owns a recruitment agency called 8 Recruitment and she tells me all the time that it can be incredibly cutthroat, that it can be a really tough industry, the recruitment industry. I've heard many a story of behind the scenes stories of, of how, you know, what goes on between different recruitment agencies. And I know she's very passionate about recruitment. So what was it that actually first drew you into recruiting? Look, we have a line in recruitment whereby everyone who has asked that question, the answer is I fell into it because I don't <laughs> think we necessarily plan to have careers in recruitment from my perspective, look, I came to Australia 11 years ago. I started working on a reception desk in a recruitment agency and I kind of had my neck looking around the corner the entire time at everyone on the floor and I saw them building relationships. I saw them kind of offering people jobs and so much of what they were doing just appealed to me. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give, I'm not a salesperson. I'm going to give this a go and I have not regretted it. With regards to your point around the industry, look, it is... I think it does have or it has had in the past a bad reputation. It is not necessarily a regulated industry. We have a lot of say and sway between kind of, I guess, companies and the the ins and outs of what they're doing and then candidates. So we, we can kind of, you could very easily operate unethically. But I honestly believe that the industry has shifted and changed so much over the last year, uh, over the last few years, I should say. And I really, really think that we are in a far better position where it just doesn't happen anymore. I'm in a group that I set up of 25 female business owners um, within the industry and we all support each other we share information we share knowledge I'm going to a couple of recruitment industry events this week including the industry awards and I'm so excited to see so many of my peers there I just think we've reached a point and particularly after COVID everyone in our industry struggled and suffered during COVID and I think after that we've all just been like you know what we're better off together we're stronger together collaboration over um, competition. So how old were you when you actually began in recruitment? Yeah, 23. Oh, you're a bubba. (laughs) Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and that was it. (laughs) Yeah. So how long from you uh, starting at 23, was it before you started your own business, before you started Lotus People? Yeah, so I was in that agency for my last agency for four years. I kind of worked my way up. I very quickly moved off the reception desk into a a support role and then a, a consultant role and then a senior consultant role. But I actually set my business up without a huge amount of experience. I felt very passionately about the fact that the standard of service in our industry needed work. And so my friend and I, we had the exact same mentality. We were yin and yang in how we operated. And so we just thought, let's just do this. Let's just 
I mean, there's a lot of naivety thrown in as well, but we thought, let's just do this. Let's just bring this to market. And so I hadn't even had any management experience and there I was setting up an agency. So I think I was 20, I was 26 when I set up Lotus. So yeah, and it's our sixth year this year. So that's freaking ballsy. When I was 26 years old, there's no way in hell I would have had the guts or the courage to, to go and start my own business, let alone, you know, in Sydney, starting a professional service. Like that is super ballsy. What was it that gave you that courage? I love that. That what was it was almost masked as just why? Why did you do it? <laughs> Look, I think honestly that the age stood to us. We had a lot to learn. And I'll put my hand up and say you learn very quickly when you're just, it's directly in front of you and you're, you're doing it. And also I did partner with a business, an established business. And so I benefited from mentorship and guidance in that respect in my business partners. But honestly, I think the fact that we were so young, we didn't have a mortgage. We didn't have, I mean, I still don't have kids, but we didn't have any kind of those big commitments. And I think now decisions, big decisions I make come with a lot of consideration and I, I want to be measured in the decisions decisions that I'm making. Whereas at the time it was just like, we feel passionately about this, let's just make this work. So it almost stood to us, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you started Lotus People with your girlfriend? Yes. We worked together. Um, look, she ended up leaving the business after a year or so. She now runs, she's runs a number of different businesses, but she's a, an industry trainer now and comes back in and is heavily involved. But at that point, that was the right decision for her. So after the first year, I was running it on my own. Again, within the kind of bubble of having uh, business partners who operated their business and we were all in the same offices. But yeah, it was it was at kind of 27 to be running it on my own. It was a bit of a, oh, this is terrifying. How am I going to make this work? But you just do. You just, you you figure out what's in front of you and you just make it work. And that's that's kind of how I, yeah, how I did it. It's interesting. I um, saw Tony Mowbray's once and he was the guy who sailed in the Sydney to Hobart race years ago where they had the big storm and the, and the boat capsized. I can't remember the name of the boat, but I saw him speak once and he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, in life, family, business, whatever it is, are you interested or are you committed? Because if you're interested, you'll do what's easy. But if you're committed, you'll do what it takes. And so I think for many people that start businesses, it can be very, and I've done it myself when I started a photography business years ago. When I started off, I was just kind of like interested. I didn't do what it took it took me a few years to actually get the confidence and the drive to go no you're in this like you you need to be committed to this but I fluffed around for a while but it sounds as though you were right from the beginning you were committed you were driven absolutely I, I totally agree with you and I think when you own a business it can get really hard and if you aren't fully committed to it it can get too hard I think you need to have that kind of burning, burning fire in your belly to want to make it work. I mean, last year is a perfect example. It was really tough for our industry. Most businesses we were working with were making redundancies and letting people go en masse. And every candidate we spoke to, rather than offering them jobs, we were giving them tips and and insights as to how to secure a role. So it was really, really difficult. And I had to make redundancies in my team and we had to downsize and Every single day we were looking at, with my head of finance, looking at cash flow reports and modeling how all of that looked. And it was just bloody hard. And so (laughs) 
if I had kind of 50% interest in my business, if I was just doing it as a, as a means to make money, it just wouldn't work because the level of soul and yeah, I guess commitment to it that was needed last year, it just, I wouldn't have been able to pull that from anywhere unless it actually was genuinely the, the thing that I wanted to make sure was a priority. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. You started your business when you were 26. The first year you went really, really hard. Then you and your business partner decided to, not part ways, but your business partner decided that she wanted to move on to other things. Did that kind of shake things up for you a little bit? Because I can imagine it's you're going from a shared load to a full load. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, I think probably the timing, I mean, how it all happened was we set up and it, within our first year, it was hugely successful, which is exactly what you want. You want it to work and you want it to be successful. And so that first year was amazing. Everyone wanted to work with us. We were this new, fresh, energetic offering in the market. And we, we had tons of business, which was awesome, but we hadn't hired and we didn't hire until about the nine month mark. And even then it was kind of an admin support. So it was the two of us doing everything, all of the meetings, all of the recruitment, we were kind of doing our day job and then recruiting in the evenings. And it was very, very busy. So how the kind of first year went was this like mad upward trajectory, followed by, um, from my perspective, a, a bit of a burnout and a bit of a crash. And so I actually suffered from chronic fatigue syndrome. I didn't really know what it was. And even chronic fatigue is a bit of a diagnosis by process of elimination we don't really see anything else that it might be so let's call it adrenal burnout let's call it chronic fatigue and so that happened to me so I was out of the business for a couple of months and my business partner was running things on her own and it was as mad as it was but with one less person and I think after that when I was ready and well to come back into the business at that point I had my health and I knew exactly what I needed to do to look after myself. And so I think in to answer your question and coming back into the business with a renewed perspective, I did feel confident that yes, I was able to, to do it on my own. And at that point, that is when she around that stage is when she exited. Um, but I also knew that I was never going to get myself back to that stage of burnout again, because I had this, these new tools and I had this new way of working, which meant that health was always going to be a priority and the focus and balance was as well. I think that's one of the toughest things being a business owner. And uh, for myself, so I started a charity five years ago called, called Got Your Back Sister, which like many businesses, I mean, even though it's a charity, I run it like a business. And the first year was working at home and it was kind of just me. And then it's like, okay, I need some help. I'm going to bring a VA on for a few hours a week. Oh, now I'm going to get an, I need an employee. And you slowly grow over time. But there's been so many times I've reached the point of burnout where I literally feel like I'm crawling through mud. But then I also go, sometimes like to be successful or for your organization to, to be successful and to serve as it needs to, it's, it's almost like you just kind of have to wade through it, but then go, okay, what do I need to do to stop that burnout? Because otherwise the whole thing is going to collapse. Can I ask, when you developed the chronic fatigue, what, what, what were your symptoms? How did you know that something was wrong? Because I had a girlfriend that suffered chronic fatigue for two years and was bedridden. And so, like you were saying, it was a process of elimination. They did not know what was going on for her. They thought she had a virus. They, they, she was in getting tests all the time. And then finally they went, you've got chronic fatigue syndrome. What was it for you that 
kind of you were like okay something's not right here yeah absolutely and and look your your friend the, what you've described it's it's similar I think it is that feeling of for me it was a, that feeling of your nervous system just being tipped into overdrive so almost just constantly being in fight or flight running from the moment you wake up your brain's alert running from one meeting to the next meeting to the next thing and actually your body never feeling fully rested so that manifested for me in brain fog it manifested in very low immunity so very easily able to pick up colds and flus and and so sick with those sorts of things i think the main trigger was that i got a cold and it lasted for about two weeks and my colds always kind of then ended up being a virus and then kind of ended up flattening me for a couple of weeks and i've always kind of had that kind of go fast and then body doesn't want to keep up anymore approach like that is often how I work with my energy which is an absolute work in progress and something I'm still working on so I was used to that happening getting a cold getting sick being knocked out for a week or two but that happened to me and I didn't get better I essentially didn't get my energy back I didn't have the ability to kind of just go okay I'm back to normal now it's almost like my body was just then tipped into a place of complete exhaustion and so for me it was being bedridden it was having my brain just being constantly alert and constantly like the amygdala like constantly being in overdrive and so it really did take a lot of work to get bring me back to a place of homeostasis but yeah definitely a number of different symptoms but I think that all of what you would expect at a full total burnout of just being completely exhausted I definitely experienced all of that. Do you get fearful about it coming back? It's it's a really good question and the odd time if I have a cold and it lasts maybe a couple of days longer than it should I might get like a mild wave of anxiety being like oh my god am I going to go back there but also I just know that I was living at a completely unsustainable pace for me everyone works at different paces and everyone's aware of their own limitations but for me it was completely unsustainable the hours that we were working in a day eating dinner at the office every night and, and just the pace like just the pure pace of everyone kind of wanting things from you and you delivering constantly like it's just that never actually kind of taking a step back and slowing down so yes I think it's a yeah it's a, it's a tricky one and everyone's different but I, I definitely know that I will never go back there because I'll never live my life like that again and that's reassuring I, I know that what I put myself through it was a once-off yeah so how do you do things differently now a lot of focus on so I meditate every day Sometimes I only have time for five minutes, but I still do it. I move at a different pace. So instead of, and, and I, as I mean, I'm in a service industry, I want to deliver. And so I catch myself and I've done it this morning. <laughs> so, great. We want you to start as soon as tomorrow. And I go, okay, brilliant. Let's do it. And I'll have it delivered by Friday. And then I go, no, catch yourself. Wednesday is perfectly feasible yeah, instead yeah. of Friday. Perfectly acceptable. So Exactly. So it's kind of balancing that desire to want to deliver and to do a good job and that kind of drive for success, which I have, and to do a a good job by the, the clients that I'm working with, balancing that with what's realistic and what's reasonable. And that sounds really basic and really rudimentary, but it is something that I that I battle with because I am a high achiever and I want to do everything now immediately. So it's a combination of, I guess, self-care and putting things like that in place, having a good routine around exercise and also just knowing my limitations. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. You've gone on to win numerous awards, which is really cool, including Young Entrepreneur at the age of 28. 
you're still in your 20s and you're winning Young Entrepreneur Award. You have won Recruiter of the Year. You have won Best Small Agency. Um, you've won, oh, Young Entrepreneur from the Irish Australian Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> you've, won, you've won lots of awards, which is awesome. So I'm guessing to actually be, I'm going to use, the word good enough, but it's not good enough. But but you obviously you're outstanding, you and your business. What have you learned at such a young age about leadership and about culture? Because, you know, from the reading that I did about you and your business, that's something that you really pride yourself on. Yeah. And thank you. Yes. It's, it's been a, an amazing journey. And I think for me, I don't want to do this if we're not doing it well. We could so easily have a recruitment agency that have people who are making money and we're in the market and we exist and we're okay at what we do. And that just isn't me. That goes against the grain of, of how I operate as a person. If we're going to do something, I want to do it properly. I think to answer your question, the three things I focus on and, and the things that I care deeply about are people experience and so for me that's the the threefold is the candidate experience the client which we're very well known for and and we do a lot of work around the client experience which is obviously delivery and our internal team experience and that's all people experience I care about the people that I interact with having a positive experience and coming away feeling like they have had a a good interaction and that they're in good hands and whether that is our internal team um, or the people we deal with Or again, with the candidate side, often candidates are forgotten about within the recruitment process. There's a lot of stats and data out there to support the fact that candidates feel like they just do not have a positive experience whilst looking for work. And so all of that is comes from just a desire to make sure that people are looked after. And that's genuinely where I come from as a leader. And that's the thing that even though I was a young leader, that has always been a focus and I think you garner respect and you kind of build authentic relationships with the various different people that you, you deal with and you work with when that is your primary focus because people can see that you care. When you were younger, were you a leader then like in school? Um, have you always been like a school leader or a leader with your friends? Is that is that an innate thing or is it something that you've learned? I think so, but I think as girls it's bossy rather than (laughs) (laughs) no because you know what you know why I asked that because I was watching The Apprentice last night Celebrity Apprentice and and I haven't watched a lot of that show but I watched it last night with my son and his girlfriend and it was good bonding good family bonding over The Apprentice and there was a young girl who was the Miss Australia I can't even remember her name I um, anyway, doesn't matter. If you're watching The Apprentice, you'll know who I'm talking about. She's this gorgeous young Miss Australia entered into Miss Universe. So she was like the intruder, the new person that had come in to the, into the show kind of like a few episodes in and they'd popped her in a team. And when they were working out the challenge, they were like, who's going to be the project manager? And she's like 25, 26. And she was like, I'll be the project manager. And so you could see everybody in the team's a bit like, oh, God, how's she going to go? She's so young. She's just come in. She hasn't been a part of this. And I was watching going, well, you're so young. How are you going to go? And she absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. They won the challenge. And I was watching her going, wow, you have really got something. She reads the weather over in WA on the, on the news channel. So I'm guessing she probably hasn't had a lot of experience project managing people. But I go, there's something about her, that X factor, where she has innate leadership abilities and qualities. And so that's how I'm going, that could be you. I think it might be you. 
<laughs> Some of it is innate. And I think, yeah, I think the beauty of uh, kind of being a business owner is that you get to gravitate towards what you're good at and you gravitate towards your natural strengths. And I think that if people do that in life as, as employees, as parents, whatever we are, I think if you just lean on what you are naturally good at, you will find it to be more enjoyable. You will find the day-to-day to be more enjoyable because you're thriving rather than forcing yourself into a box that doesn't necessarily fit. But yeah, I totally agree. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now. And it's a question, I suppose, because I've come up against this. So I'm really curious to see whether you have, especially being a younger businesswoman and and who became a business owner at a a young age and being a woman, have you come up against any of the misogyny or disrespect or not being treated well by other professional men in your industry or that you've worked with? Yes, very good question. I think that our industry as a whole does have very good gender balance. I think that women or men, you can be a a great recruiter. What I did notice when I first started going to recruitment industry events and awards many years ago, five, six years ago, was that when you get to the top level, it's mostly just men. And that was the catalyst for me starting my women's agency owner network where I wanted to, so I wanted to for us to be leveraged and kind of lifted up to the next level um, because I knew that we were the minority. And so that is definitely something I've noticed. Look, I've had situations with certain men in certain industries where they kind of want the more experienced person in the room and you kind of get the sense from them. There's a bit of bravado, certain industries that are probably more male dominated. I've had experience of, experiences of feeling maybe young and maybe female and but it's always, I mean, again, as, a, as the owner of the business, I get to walk away based on values and based on a lack yeah. of value. But it's definitely, I'm very, very lucky in that it's definitely not been, because this isn't just a male-dominated industry, it's not, hasn't been something that's been a consistent issue. I've noticed it because I think, how could you not? It is the state of the world. Yeah. Um, but definitely not an ongoing kind of, yeah issue or drama for me. Well, that's wonderful because I've shared on Hey Soul Sister before when we've done other episodes. I've like, when I was in my 20s, I worked for an organization which was very male dominated and they were some of the men and they were older men in their 50s and 60s. They were actually foul. I'm going to call it foul. Yeah. And the way they would speak to me, the way they would treat me and, and, and other women. So, I, you know, that's and I, and I like to th- you, you kind of hope in this day and age that that times are changing because, you know, that was I'd like to say that was yesterday but it was 20 years ago. So, <laughs> so you kind of you hope that we've progressed with that whole uh, gender equity, although apparently we still have another ways to go. And what are they saying? 26 years. They say before it'll be, there'll be gender parity across pace for women and, you know, in organisations and things. There's so much work to be done. So, so much work to be done. I totally, it's never, it's never blatant. I never see in a company that men are paid explicitly more than women. It's never as obvious as that, but it's subtly there. It's absolutely there. And there's a lot of work to be done on it, I believe. So you've been on a really big journey over the last six, seven, eight years. What wisdoms have you learned about business? Oh, goodness. I do think that the resilience that you can 
create and muster and and lean back on in times of difficulty it's amazing how that can translate to your own life as well i think that having a business and being in business in my own experience i really do believe that we are stronger than we think we are and through my own journey of being unwell and being sick and then running a business and having ups and downs with that i do think that i'm stronger for it and i'm i'm able for anything yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to deal with just about anything but i would be able for it i'm certain yeah yeah and do you know what i i kind of believe and and certainly this is my experience during the covid you have a choice you know you kind of when things like global pandemics or challenges or whatever happen it's like you know you can go and curl up in the corner of the room in the fetal position or rock back and forth or you can actually dig deep and go no this is going to be really tough but i'm going to get through that you're allowed there sometimes we're only human but you have to get back up again <laughs> um, no absolutely and i think the other thing like i I have a learner brain. I absolutely love learning. I'm, I, I'm a sponge. The more, the more that I can learn, the, the better and the happier that I am. And so I think that if you have that mentality and that openness and willingness to learn, then running a business and being in business is a very good vessel and container for that. So definitely having an open mind towards just absorbing information is, is something that I've really, yeah, looked at as a positive over my last few years. What's the best bit of advice you've ever received? Exactly tying in, and I always think of it exactly tying in with what I just said. My first ever manager said to me, never stop learning. Even if it's every day, just picking up a newspaper or reading a new book or, or just kind of ongoing more formal studies, never stop learning. And that's always stayed with me. And I definitely embody that in the amount of information I absorb day to day. Yeah. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. What's next for you? We're at a really, really exciting stage. The market, the employment market has absolutely bounced back. Everybody is in hiring mode. Actually, during COVID, we launched a new division, a HR division, where we now recruit senior HR professionals. I've just hired someone into that division. My other team of 10 are absolutely thriving. So we're, in, we're primed for kind of this next stage of, of growth, which is really exciting. And all I want to do is fly to Ireland to see my family. Definitely on the list. I will get there at some point soon, but that is that is an imminent uh, goal as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I can't wait for flights to open up again. I think the last in 2019, I did five international trips that year. And then going into 2020, I was like, I'm not doing any travel. I'm just going to have a year off. And it was totally enforced. <laughs> there was no choice. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> oh, funny. And just to close up, my friend, what have you learned about yourself on this crazy journey through life? That I can handle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> resilience piece is key I think you yeah like I said before I think you're you're stronger than you think and as long as you are building genuine strong authentic meaningful relationships around you you can handle just about anything thanks so much for coming on Hey Soul Sister and I can't wait to share this episode out because you're an awesome inspirational businesswoman with a lot of soul so thanks so much Sinead for coming on Hey Soul Sister thank you so much my absolute pleasure thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon what would help you on your crazy life journey email melissa at thesisterco.com